0: Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom! This is Dr. Ann Davis here with Bible Interact. We've been working on the Gospel of John, except I explained to you in an earlier session that the Gospel of John is not one of the four Gospels. (laughs) There are only three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, called the Synoptic Gospels because there are so many similarities between them. But let's call John the Book of John the book of John is dramatically different from the Synoptic Gospels. First of all, it's missing all kinds of major events in Yeshua's life that certainly everybody knew about. And if this is a narrative of the life of Yeshua, certainly these events would have been in there. The book of John is missing the the temptation, the 40 days of temptation when Satan Uh, tempted Yeshua, the transfiguration for heaven's sakes, that's missing, the Lord's Supper, the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, and even the raising of Lazarus is not mentioned, which certainly must have been very dramatic. If John was recording a narrative account of the good news of the things that Yeshua had done, that would have been included. The parables are not there. The miracles are not there. Something is dramatically different. And I suggested, which I strongly believe, that the Book of John is wisdom literature. It's Hebrew wisdom literature. Hebrew wisdom literature uh, seeks answers to very, very deep questions. Who is God? What is the nature of God? What is God doing in this world? Now, the Johannine community, disciples of John, were asking, you know, who is this Yeshua? How how can he be the Messiah? How could he be raised from the dead? How could he have died? And what does it mean he's been raised from the dead? So they're asking very, very deep questions. We used to think that the book of John was Greek philosophy because the earliest text we had was in about the 2nd century. But within the last 100 years, uh, archaeologists have discovered a fragment of the book of John in Egypt that dates all the way back to about 90 to 110 A.D., or the Common Era, which is not long after the destruction of the temple. So we we also, with the, the um, discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are clearly Hebraic, and we find many parallels between the dead sea scrolls and the book of john so the book of john is wisdom literature now what we're going to do in this session is i'm going to talk about the purpose of signs the the book of john gives seven signs and and we have to and, and they're in the form of narrative there're seven narrative signs but we have to understand what these signs are all about then I will go into the artistic imagery and symbolism of one of the signs. We're going to go into let's see, it's uh, the man born blind is what we'll look at. And um, and then there are two important things because you know, the book of John is speaking to disciples. It's not speaking to all Christians, to all believers in Christ. It's speaking to disciples, those who are dedicated followers of the Lord Yeshua. And there are two parts of the message one is how how we respond to signs we have to be able to recognize the sign and then how do we respond to it and only disciples will recognize the sign and respond in the right way and then what happens if we do not respond or respond in a a way that is not godly all right let's get started first let me just review a couple of things it's important that you understand the hebraic sense of time the Greek sense of time is points on a line. It's linear. It's points on a line. So the past is over and done with. And we can't go back to the past. I mean, we can read about it in a history book, but but we can't go back to the past. It's done. We can't access it um, in, in any way except by you know, reading books. The future hasn't happened yet. And the only way we can access that is by our imaginations. We can't go to the future. We can't go there. We can only be here in the now. Or we can look at the past, which is gone and done with. Or we can look at the future, which hasn't happened yet. The Hebraic sense of time is the exact opposite because God is the creator of all things. Therefore, he created time. And furthermore, in the Hebraic understanding of time, God not only created time, but he's in time. He's in all aspects of time. He's you know he's he's not points on a line he's he's in all places at all times, so he's in all aspects of time now, listen very carefully because this is related to the message in the in the book of John to the extent that you are one with God, which you can be from time to time every once in a while, not all the time, but when you are one with God, you are with him in time in all aspects of time now um this, for example, applies to Jews every year during the Passover Seder. They read the account written by the sages of the exodus from Egypt, and it, it brings them into that account. That account is real for them. It's as if they were there. And then they say, next year in Jerusalem, but this year right now, They are in the exodus. They are experiencing the exodus in their lives today. The exodus is real for them. When it comes to the future, and this is what's important in the book of John, we can take the future, if we know it. (laughs) You have to know scripture to know the future. We can take the future, which is the kingdom of God, and, and bring it into our lives now when we are in alignment and harmony with our Lord Yeshua. So we can walk in the kingdom of God now in righteousness when we read the book of John and learn how to do it. okay. The other thing I would I just want to mention to you again is that the book of John was apparently written by the disciples of John he was probably no longer living at the time it was written although we will never know for sure but we refer to this group as the johannine community and they were experiencing intense persecution from not all the jews but from jewish leaders and we read for example no one now this is the people these are not the leaders these is the people no one of the people was speaking openly of yeshua for fear of the religious leaders. Now, the Greek is eudaioi, which we have translated as Jews, but it does not mean all the Jews. It simply is referring to the religious leaders. Okay, now, let's go in and talk about what is a sign and what is the purpose of a sign. A miracle can be a sign, but not all signs are miracles. Let me say that again. A miracle can be a sign, but not all miracles are signs. A sign is some act performed by God which declares him and makes him known. That's what a sign is. It's just some act. So when he parted the Red Sea, when they were escaping from Egypt, that was a sign. When he, when they were led into captivity to Babylon, that was a sign because God allowed that to happen. He was instrumental in that happening. When Cyrus, the Persian, allowed those who chose to go back to the land, that Cyrus was a sign. He was a sign of the Messiah to come, actually. So a sign is any act that God conducts which helps us not only understand him, but what he is doing in this world. And there are seven signs in the book of John. So, let me, before we go into one of the signs, let's talk a little bit more about about the, the nature of a sign. The Pharisees asked Yeshua, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? So, they wanted God to perform, God the Father, to perform some act that would demonstrate that Yeshua was speaking for the Father, acting for the Father, and he was... Um, He was doing the will of the the Father, but doing the will of the Father in, in more than just walking in righteous ways. He was actually speaking and acting for God. And Yeshua answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now that is not a new statement. There was a prophecy in the book of Daniel that the people of the prince, meaning Satan, the people of Satan who is to come, because this was in the time of of Daniel, will destroy the city and the sanctuary, the temple. They will destroy the city and the temple. Now, that's the first part of the prophecy. The second part of the prophecy is still prophetic. It hasn't happened yet. It's still future. But the part about destroying the city and the temple occurred when the Romans came in in 70 of the common era and they destroyed the city and the temple. Um, Apparently, it's going to happen again because... Uh, prophecy can have multiple fulfillment because let's go on and read the second half of daniel's prophecy and its end meaning the end of the city and the sanctuary will come with a flood and uh i think we read about that i think I can't remember but in the New Testament somewhere we we read about the destruction by a flood and here's the prophecy here in Daniel it hasn't happened yet even to the end there will be war and we read about that's in Matthew I guess and we read about the wars that are to come so Daniel's prophecy um, the destruction of the city and the temple was fulfilled when the Romans did that will be fulfilled again and the whole and and the destruction by a flood is still future so The the Book of John, which is wisdom literature, goes on to say, Yeshua was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Yeshua had spoken. Now, it's important here to note that Only the disciples are going to remember. You see, the book of John really is written to those who, and a disciple is anyone who is a dedicated follower of Yeshua, has made Yeshua master in their lives. If you're listening to this this teaching, I I am absolutely confident that you are a disciple, and this book of John is for you. Now, let's go into the sign of the healing the man born blind, and I'm going to start reading in John chapter 9. Yeshua saw a man blind from birth. This occurred in Jerusalem. He was in Jerusalem. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, let me explain this. Scripture, the Hebrew scriptures, is very clear that when you sin you're going to have consequences. End of discussion. That's all there is to it. It's called testing. You bring the consequences upon yourself. God doesn't do it. You, you It's like you open a window and the bad stuff can come in when, when you sin. But the reverse is is not necessarily true it may be true but not necessarily true so if you have cancer that doesn't mean that the cancer is the result of some sin all right um, now I suppose it, it could be but but not ne- I don't not necessarily because Yeshua is 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 clearly saying, look, not all bad things are the result of sin because he goes on and he says Yeshua says it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents. You know, the, the man would have sinned before birth to be born blind at birth, and the parents didn't sin either that caused the blindness on their son. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now that's the sign. So Yeshua says, there's going to be a sign. I'm going to, I'm going to perform this sign on behalf of the Father that's going to show you something about the nature of God. And then he goes on and he says something really important, and you really need to to put this in your heart. Now stop and listen very carefully. Yeshua says, he does not say, I must work the works of the Father. He says, we, we must work the works of him who sent me. Well, who sent Yeshua? The Father sent Yeshua to do his will, to, to do the works, to speak for him, to act for him. We, talking to the disciples, talking to you, must work the works of him who sent me. And then he goes on, as long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work. And he's referring to his crucifixion, his death. But when he was resurrected, the light returned and the light is now in the world. And and this whole account goes on about the light. So Yeshua says, when I am in the world, I am the light of the world. All right. Now, that light continues to be in Yeshua, but he's no longer in the world. He's he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is in the world through you. We get that in uh, Colossians 127. Um, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So, in, in uh, Corinthians, Romans or Corinthians, I can't remember. I think it's Romans. God was in Christ, reeling, revealing the world unto himself. So, the nat- God is not a man. God has no physical form. I'm talking about the Father. God has no physical form. No man has seen God at any time. When I use the word God, I'm referring to the Father. When I use the word Son, I'm referring to Yeshua. So God has no form. No one has seen God at any time. The nature of God is holy, meaning completely righteous, no sin, all light, no darkness, all truth. It's It's holy. The nature of God is also spirit. John tells us that in John 4:24 that, that God is spirit. The nature of God is spirit. Now spirit is ruach and it's it's also wind or breath. So it, it, we can't see God but we but like the wind we feel the wind blowing. We see the, the clouds moving because the wind is blowing it. So so God has no form but we can we can see the the acts of god we can see the effects of god and and that's the spirit so the nature of god is holy and spirit so that holy spirit was in christ now it says in colossians christ is in you and it doesn't come and go it's in you so that you have the gift of the holy spirit in you so and and because you have christ in you christ is the light of the world and you have the light of the world in you now you have to shine it out um you know it's latent. It's it's in it's in you, but you have to shine it out. <clears throat> now let's go on with with the uh, with the sign. Here's the man born blind. And Yeshua spat on the ground, and made clay of the spittle, and applied the clay to his eyes. Now in the first century way of thinking, we've got a repetition. He spat on the ground. He made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. So the people of the ancient world are going to hear that repetition. And if you go back in and look at that word, the equivalent Hebrew word, it has a negative connotation in most cases. For example, the Tower of Babel, the mortar was made of clay. And then we get in Psalm 69, David says, Deliver me from the clay and do not let me sink. So it was like a... Um, a quagmire of of this clay, like quicksand, and you know, you going to sink and bring you down to to Hades, to the to the, the world of the dead. But what happens is Yeshua is turning the negative clay into something positive, and that's very characteristic of the biblical text to take something negative and make it positive. We can do the same thing in our lives. You know, turn lemons into lemonade. A friend of mine says. Um, so, that, so now. Uh, He tells the man, the clay's on his eyes, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. All right, that is incredibly important because the Father sent the Son to do his will, to speak for him, to act for him. Yeshua sends us. And what is the purpose of being sent? The purpose of Yeshua being sent was to do the will of the Father. The purpose of our being sent is to do the will of our Lord Yeshua. That's the purpose. So being sent is referring to a disciple. So the blind man went away and washed, and he came back seeing. Now, we ask ourselves, how do we respond? All right. Well, let's look in in the account at the way different people responded. The neighbors and those who previously saw the blind man as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? So they could see the sign, but they didn't connect it as a sign. They didn't connect it as an act of God. Others were saying, no, but, but he's like him. So it's not really that man, because that man couldn't be seeing, but it's somebody else who's like him. So this is interesting, because what's happening here is that they're explaining the sign away. I heard somebody talked a while ago about the parting of the Red Sea and was giving a scientific explanation for how that could have happened. So that's what's happening here. They're explaining it away, you know, with some, you know, worldly scientific explanation. Then the people brought this man, blind man who could now see, to the Pharisees. And now the Pharisees recognized the sign. But they're not they're looking at it with a legalistic explanation. Let me read it. It was a Sabbath on the day when Yeshua made the clay and opened his eyes. Some of the Pharisees were saying, "This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath." You know I just I, I just prickle at the whole concept of legalism because I see it happening not only in the church but also in the messianic groups as well, where there's so tied to the to the letter of the law that they don't see the higher principle yeshua was 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 constantly teaching about the higher principle you know when you see the letter of the law you judge you judge yourself you judge others uh but you know the, the scripture tells us that we should judge no man now we can recognize when people are not doing something but we don't condemn them for that we walk in the light and hopefully we will be a sign that they can catch. Now, others were saying, "How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs?" Those people saw themselves as righteous in their own eyes. They're righteous. They're not sinning. So that person must be sinning because, you know, this thing is happening here. So, um, but my my suggestion is that God only sees the heart just like David God doesn't see the outward part of us God sees the part which is why he can forgive sinners because sinners if their heart is right with him they can be forgiven if you see yourself as righteous you're not going to be forgiven (laughs) okay let's go on with this story the parents now uh, they bring the parents to the to the Pharisees and the parents say we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. So they see the sign. They know the sign. But because of the fear of the religious leaders who have the power to expel them from the synagogue, which was beyond belief, because then you had no connection with your community at all. So they said, how he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. So when you see a sign, you must have the courage to to speak forth, because that's what glorifies God, not just that you saw the sign, but as a disciple of the Lord Yeshua, you can make the sign known to others so that God can be glorified. All right, now, and it goes on. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Udayoi, the religious leaders, for these religious Leaders had already agreed that if anyone confessed Yeshua to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Okay? Now, let's look and see how the man who's been healed, let's see how he responds, because this is the way we are supposed to respond. We have to see the signs, and then how do we respond? So a second time, they the Pharisees called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. What they were saying is... Um, in order to be righteous in God's eyes, you have to admit your sin and, and confess your sin. And then you'll be righteous like we are. That's what they're saying. Now listen to his answer. He then answered, Whether I am a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now this is more than physical sight. This is seeing God, seeing who Yeshua is. That's, it's, it's that seeing. It's that seeing. Now, listen to what the Pharisees say, because they they just declare this. You are his disciple. (laughs) That's what they say. You're his disciple, which is true. The way he answered that question, he is, is the disciple of Yeshua. And uh, but and the Pharisees went on, they said, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. Remember, they wanted uh, a sign from God that he had the power and authority to, to act on behalf of God. And then the Pharisees uh, declared their judgment against the man who had been born blind. Put him out of the synagogue. Whoa. Now, the man born blind goes back to Yeshua. And, and Yeshua says to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man born blind says, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And that's the right answer. Tell me more. I can see that you, that, that you healed me, that you are from God. I can see that. I can see that. But tell me more. I want to know more about you. And it's an incredible story. It's an incredible sign. And uh, we're going to do some more in the Gospel of John. Shalom.